air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview. And tonight we have three tracks that we are previewing with Atlanta Motor Speedway, Knoxville Raceway, and Elko Speedway. So joining me for as co-host for tonight is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Just looking over the notes here, a lot of big, exciting things going on. A uh, couple of different perspectives. You talked about Elko Speedway. Midwest has got to see some uh, great racing uh, over the past couple of weeks. Road America and now Elko Speedway, as well as Iowa Speed, or, uh, not Iowa Speedway. I'm sorry, Knoxville Raceway in Iowa uh, for the Truck Series. So the Midwest getting a lot of good things. Some new tracks uh, that we've had over the past couple of weeks. Big weekend of racing coming up. Absolutely. And I was reading about Elko Speedway earlier today. I didn't know there was a movie theater out just outside the track, an outdoor drive-in theater. Oh, is that still operational? I don't know. They were saying that there was an outdoor drive-in theater there, so I thought that's really cool. I don't know. I assume that it is, but who knows? Yeah, no, I did not realize that was still operational. Okay, well, let me go through our overview of tonight. Uh, first, we're going to give a few updates from the ARCA East and West Series. They are not racing this weekend, but will be racing soon, and we'll be talking about that. Uh, then we're going to preview the ARCA Menard Series at Elko Speedway, and uh, actually, that is uh, also a Sioux Chief Showdown event, uh, meaning that uh, drivers are, can compete in both of those uh, competitions at Elko Speedway. So uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, so both championships are pretty tight. We'll talk about that uh, during our preview tonight. Uh, at the top of the hour, we are going to preview the NASCAR Truck Series at Knoxville Raceway in Iowa. How exciting is that? The first time that uh, the Truck Series is racing there, and uh, it should be very, very exciting. I know we've got some uh, different people that are on the entry list for this week as well. And, again, we'll talk about that, that during our NASCAR Truck Series preview. At about 9.20 Eastern, we will get into the Xfinity Series at Atlanta and preview that race, as well as the Cup Series at Atlanta at about 9.40 Eastern time. Now, um, this uh, track, this is the last time these guys are going to be racing at Atlanta on this configuration. Uh, It's all going to change. After they leave, they're going to start uh, reconfiguring that track. Uh, then at 10 o'clock, it is NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan for racing crew, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Well, as happens a lot, who's ever talking, somebody backs that up by saying you took the words right out of my mouth. We talked about first, you mentioned it as a last at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Not the facility, but in the configuration it's in. We already did talk about that on Hot Topics. I think we're going to have it come up again, though, uh, as I put up some stuff with Rodney Childers' comments, and I know Mike and Andy didn't get a chance to respond. So we might hit on that again in Hot Topics. 
Right. So that should be pretty interesting. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get started with the update uh, from the two series that are not racing in the Arca Menards area. Uh, that's the Arca East and the West. Uh, the West will be, ra- well, let's start with the East. The East will be racing uh, July the 24th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central, the Shore Lunch 150 at Iowa Speedway, Jeff, Jay briefly mentioned that uh, when he meant to say uh, Knoxville Raceway, but uh, Iowa Speedway is on the schedule for this month for the Arkham and Art Series East, and it will be televised on MAV-TV. Any comments, did you want me to do, did you want me to run down the points for them real quick while we're on the east side? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that very quickly because uh, we do have to get into our preview too by about uh, twenty minutes right. too. All right, the top five here, real quick for the East Series. Uh, Sammy Smith has uh, essentially dominated five races, three wins. He has a thirty-point lead over Mason Diaz, and then you got Joey East, only four more points behind that. Max Gutierrez at minus 37 is right there in contention with that pack. And then Daniel Dye, your fifth place, is 43 back. So Smith is a really tightly packed and one full clip, and that could change for Sammy Smith. Okay. Uh, then for the Arkham and Series West, uh, they just raced this past weekend at Irwindale Speedway. That was, I believe, their third race of the season. But they're going to be back on the track July the 31st at 8.30 p.m. Mountain uh, Standard Time. Uh, I believe that's going to be about 10.30, no, yeah, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And, uh, again, it's the Colorado 150 at Colorado National Speedway. That will be available via NBC Gold's track pass for people who have a uh, membership with that. Or you can follow along at ArcaRacing.com. And for the west side, we said we were going to see the point shake up. I don't know if it's done shaking yet with Jesse Love picking up that <laughs> win, but Todd Souza is your points leader uh, at this point, actually tied him and Dean Thompson tied at 112. The nod goes to Todd Souza by a better finishing top five. Then you got Cole Moore is one back, Jesse Love now two back, and the tie in fifth place at 104, eight back is Jake Drew and Trevor Huddleston. Uh, so that's your top five, which includes six. Two different ties there in that top six. Like we said, that point's uh, – system or whatever is going to really change here over the next couple of races for the West Series. I can't wait to see them go get back on track. Yes, uh, they have fewer races in, uh, but I'll tell you what, they have a very tight points battle going on. Their first two races, part of the reason for that is the first two races um, were won by people outside of the normal uh, ARCA West grouping. So you had uh, Ty Gibbs, I believe, won at Phoenix, and then uh, Chase Briscoe won at Sonoma. So <laughs> it took a little while for them to get to that third race at Irwindale Speedway, 
and for it to kind of shake out into the Arca West drivers. But it is very, very tight. Just to reiterate that point there, we're talking 30 points from 1st to 11th, which are the 11 drivers that have made all three races. Smith has a 30-point lead in the East Series with, under their, with their races under the belt. Uh, this one's 30 points from 1st to 11th. Exactly. Exactly. So there's still a lot to be sorted out there with the Arkham and Art Series West. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and talk about now the Arkham Menard Series uh, and their race at Elko Speedway. Uh, this is Elko Speedway is a very popular track. Uh, again, I was reading some notes. If we have time, I hope we can uh, kind of catch on some of that. Elko Speedway is in Elko Newmarket, Minnesota. They will be racing Saturday, July the 10th at uh, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, now, you will be able to watch this on MAP TV if you have MAP TV as part of your package or track pass for NBC Sports Gold members. Uh, and if you don't have that, I believe you can still listen to the radio at ArcaRacing.com. This is a 3 8 mile paved oval, so this is a very short, short track. Uh, they'll be going 250 laps to cover 94 miles. And uh, the schedule for them, they'll have a practice Saturday at 3.30 p.m., qualifying at 5.30 with the race at 9 p.m. Those are central time uh, zone uh, times that we're giving uh, with that. So uh, this is going to be exciting. And again, with the Sioux Chief Showdown competition on the line as well, it makes it that much more exciting. Well, it's certainly going to be. Uh, they say there is short track racing, and then there is short track racing at Elko Speedway. Now, after a one-year hiatus, the Arkham Menard Series is back at the 3 8 mile paved oval in the Elko New Market, Minnesota, for that Saturday's Menards 250. It'll be the ninth race of the 2021 season, and the third round then of, as Sharon mentioned, this year's Sioux Chief Showdown. With tight races going on in both series, Saturday night's event is sure to be a spectacle at the smallest and most physical track the Arkham Menard Series visits. It's also the first stretch of a four Saturday night short track races on the series schedule through the end of July. So uh, the short tracks are kind of being featured over these next few weeks. Now, Saturday night's the... Uh, Menards 250 marks the seventh time the Arkham Menard Series has raced at Elko. The six previous events produced six different winners, and with none of those victors uh, on the entry list for the 2021 edition, that streak is guaranteed to continue. Track, which was at Toledo Speedway in May, it was Ty Gibbs who dominated en route to his third win of the season. Now, the 18-year-old now has a series-high five wins in 2021. But Elko, I mentioned, is a little bit different breed of short track at just the three-eighths of a mile. Yeah, the other winner, Corey Heim, the championship series points leader, and the only driver not named Gibbs to reach victory lane 
three times uh, in the series this season, will be among the drivers that are hoping to work the rough racing at Elko to their advantage and keep Gibbs away from another checkered flag. I will have two Venturini uh, Motorsports teammates on track with him Saturday night. One is Jesse Love. We were hoping to have him tonight, Jay, but Jesse had a sponsorship commitment tonight and was not able to be on, uh, but we're going to keep trying to get him back again. He's the defending Arkham Menard Series West champion who's coming off a victory at a short track at Irwindale Speedway in the West Series. That was just this past week. Uh, the other is Gracie Trotter, whose historic first Arkham Menard Series victory last season came at a track very similar to Elko. It was the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Well, now the drivers who ranked third and fourth in the Arkham Menard Series points Thad Moffitt and Nick Sanchez, respectively, they're both entered into Saturday night's Elko race. And Moffitt is going to be running with a notable teammate. That's Taylor Gray uh, at Elko will compete in the Arkham Menard Series for the first time since he was involved in a streetcar accident back in April. He has been sidelined from competition for 13 weeks. Gray's, la- Gray's last Arkham Menard Series start was his ninth place run in March, which came at Phoenix Raceway. On Saturday, we'll also begin a stretch of five straight weeks of racing for the 16-year-old Gray. He will follow the Arkham Menard Series schedule through Watkins Glen International, where he intends to do double duty with ARCA and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. We'll take a look here at the full entry list in a little bit, but uh, obviously he's back healthy and ready to go <laughs> and going to go on a tear with it. Uh, yes, indeed. It's good to have him back. Now, the starting field for the Arkham Menards Series uh, 250 is limited to 24-plus provisional positions. I counted, I believe there are just 18 drivers on the entry list. So this event will be run under the 2021 Arkham Menards Series rules, procedures, regulations, and specifications. Two qualifying laps, uh, two consecutive laps of qualifying, no adjustments to repairs can be made on the car after taking the green flag at the start-finish line. All cars must make a qualifying attempt, and all drivers must practice at or near the conclusion of lap 100 and lap 175. All cars will be required to make at least one pit stop before the last 10 laps of the race, no adding or moving tires to or from the pit box once the race has started. The maximum tire allotment available for this event is as follows. It's per the ARCA rule book, so the maximum number of tires allowed in the pit box for use in the race is six. And that definitely makes for some interesting things when it comes to short tracks. Uh, again, how hard you push, when you push. Uh, I've seen that in the past in some of the races I've been to. Uh, one of the things that makes this series so interesting is tire management. Yes, indeed. And these guys, this is an important thing for a lot of these drivers to learn. I know we've got some veterans that are on the entry list, but uh, for these new guys that are just kind of getting their feet wet in the Arkham and Art Series, uh, this is a very important part of racing. Uh, so let's go ahead and cover the uh, entry list. We'll start at the bottom and move our way up, Jay, two by two. All right, you want me to start or are you going to? 
You can. All right. Uh, the 06 out of Pulaski, Tennessee, in Wayne Peterson Ford will be driver Wayne Peterson, also listened as the uh, crew chief. So, uh, again, what they call the one-man one man show uh, for a team that size. <laughs> Then you got the 01. That is Owen Smith out of Louisa, Virginia. He'll be driving a Hillenburg Ford with Owen Smith as his crew chief. Another one man show. In the number 66 uh, is Ron Vandermeer Jr. from Sheridan, Illinois. Uh, he'll be driving the Toyota with Ron Vandermeer Sr. as his crew chief. So that's kind of cool, uh, father and son situation there. Then in the number 48, there's uh, a regular in the Arkham Menard series, Brad Smith. Uh, he will be driving the 48 Chevrolet, uh, owned by himself, and with Jeff Smith on top of the pit box. Another series regular, you got the number 46. That is driver Thad Moffat out of Trinity, North Carolina, driving the Johnny Gray Ford. He left Derek Smith as his crew chief. And coming from the west to the Midwest, Adam Lenke coming out of Hollister, California, driving a Mark Rett-owned Ford, which uh, Rett will crew chief. Okay, and the number 27, another Illinois driver from Morris, Illinois, Alex Clubb. Uh, will be driving his number 27 Ford, uh, owned by David Richmond, with crew chief Brad Fry. Uh, Billy Venturini sits on top of the pit box for the Venturini 25 Toyota, driven by Gracie Trotter from Denver, North Carolina. Then we got the GMS Racing Chevrolet number 21. That's going to be Daniel Dye, coming from v Florida. Um, Mari Gallagher as the owner Chad Bryan on the crew chief That's a combination you got to like And then we got one of the championship contenders The the number 20 uh, Out of Marietta, Georgia Is Corey Heim And he's in another Venturini Toyota Shannon Rush as his crew chief And his main competition Has been uh, Ty Gibbs in the number 18, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Uh, Coy Gibbs is listed as the owner. Mark McFarland uh, is his crew chief. Well, he's one of the best. Then in that number 17 Ford for David Gilliland Racing is Taylor Gray from Denver, North Carolina, Chad Johnson on top of his pit box. Oh, and we talked about Jesse Love picking up the West Series win. Now here with the... Uh... Main Arkham Menard series, as well as the Sioux Chief Showdown contestant. He's in the number 15 Toyota for Venturini. Kevin Reed will be the crew chief. Jesse's coming out of Red City, California. And on the other extreme corner, you got... Oh, Redwood City, sorry. Uh, Coming out of the other extreme, you got Boston Spa New York driver Dick Dohaney. He's in the Hillenburg Toyota. Uh, number 12, and it shows himself crew chiefing that machine. Okay. Another Hillenburg uh, Chevrolet this time. Uh, the number 11 will be driven by Bryce Hagerberg, and he's from West Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, Mike Schroep will be his crew chief. And in the number 10 for Andy Hillenburg, this time a Ford, is Willie Mullins from Fredericksburg, Virginia, Steve Barton is his crew chief. And the final two on the entrance list, 
Eric Caldwell owned at number seven, uh, be crew chief by Jeremy Petty at Ford, and he comes out of Piedmont, Oklahoma, and out of Miami, Florida, Nick Sanchez in the Max Siegel owned Chevrolet number two, Steve Plattenberger, his crew chief. Yeah, Jeremy Petty will be the crew chief for Eric Cavell. Okay, so there you have it, all of the drivers that will be competing in the Arkham Menard Series. But keep in mind, some of these drivers are also competing for that crew chief showdown. That's 10 races inside of the Arkham Menard Series, 20-race schedule that are specifically for the crew chief showdown championship. And uh, so some of these drivers are going for that Arkham and Art Series championship. Some of them are also going for the Series Chief Showdown championship. All right. Which, uh, which points do you want me to cover first, the, the Series Chief Showdown or the, the main Let's one? Let's cover the Series Chief Showdown first. All right. Two, uh, two races in the book so far with two wins. Ty Gibbs is your points leader with 86 points. This one, the points structured a little bit different, though. Nick Sanchez and Thad Moffitt both tied at 80, uh, only six points behind. I know Sanchez has a third place and a fifth place finish, and then Thad Moffitt with a third and a fifth as well, uh, the reason they're tied. Corey Heim is fourth in this point standings with Brad Smith as your fifth place, and he is at 61 points. So 25 points there. Those are your top five for that Sioux Chief Showdown. This will be race number three out of ten, as Sharon mentioned. Yes, and, of course, Elko is also race nine for the Arthur Menard Series. And with that, Corey Heim at the top of the uh, series point standings for this one. He has, uh, let's see, points-wise, he has 400 points. Uh, and he is just three points ahead of Ty Gibbs. Uh, and uh, the difference here, uh, they've had both raced all eight races. Uh, Ty Gibbs had five victories. Uh, Corey Heim has three. They both have seven top fives. Ty Gibbs has seven top tens to Corey Heim's eight top tens. He also has four poles to Corey Heim's one pole award. So, uh, also, Ty Gibbs has led 558 laps, which is amazing. The next closest driver is Corey Heim, and his laps led era at 111. So, that's a huge difference there. Uh, another thing I like to look at between the uh, top two drivers here is their average start and their average finish. Uh, here's uh, Ty Gibbs and an average finish of 4.8. The series points leader, Corey Hines, has a 4.1 average start with a 2.4 average finish. So I think that's one of the reasons why he is at the top of the list, but he's there by a mere three points. So this is going to be a big, big race for Corey Hines. Now those drivers uh, falling in third through fifth are Thad Moffitt, Nick Sanchez, and Drew Dollar. Uh, now, Drew Dollar and Kyle Speed in sixth place have only been to seven of the eight races so far. And then you've got uh, two drivers that have only raced six races of the nine, of the eight. And that's D.L. Wilson and Jack Wood. 
And then Brad Smith has raced seven of the eight races. He's in ninth place with Tim Richmond, another Ottawa, Illinois driver, uh, has six races under his belt and is holding on to that 10th place spot. So uh, an interesting uh, point scenario here with the Arkham series. It certainly is. And, and we heard, uh, uh, again, Corey Heim, Ty Gibbs, obviously battling it out front. But Thad Moffitt and Nick Sanchez, the only one, other ones with the full eight starts, and then Drew Dollar down through eighth place, I think, are the ones they aren't in the, on the entry list for this race. So Brad Smith will move up, as well as a couple others that we mentioned that are going to come from even further down. Okay. So uh, this is one of those do-not-miss races, Jay, <laughs> for the uh, Arkham Menard series uh, because there's so much on the line for these drivers. Well, and I will tell you this. I got a message here. Uh, Quentin's not going to miss it. He said he would be there. And he also said that that movie theater is alive and well and in the roller stage for live music after the races. So uh, it apparently is still in use. Uh, the drive-in theater. So right here outside of uh, the track. Uh, so a lot, uh, a lot of informa- information there. Uh, let me see if I can kind of read this track profile that they've got at uh, ArcaRacing.com. Uh, Alco Speedway takes track car racing fans, uh, what they know about short track racing, and makes it even shorter. So located just 30 minutes south of downtown Minneapolis in Elko New Market, Minnesota, the 3 mile paved oval is the smallest track that the Arkham Art Series will visit this year, which in turn makes it the most physical race on the series schedule. So these guys are going to get their workout on Saturday. Elko Speedway has hosted six Arkham Art Series races dating back to 2012, producing six different winners, a testament uh, to just how difficult this track is. Just to give you an idea of some of the drivers that have won at this track, you're going to recognize a lot of these names. In 2012, it was Brennan Poole. In 13, it was Frank Kimmel. In 14, Grant Infinger, now in the uh, uh, truck series. In 17, Austin Terrio. We spent a lot of time talking to Austin that year. In 18, it was Gus Dean, and in 2019, it was Chandler Smith. So six different winners, six different races. Who will be the next different winner at Elko Speedway this weekend? Well, it would be really tough to argue against Ty Gibbs, and I know if me and you were picking, if I take Gibbs, you'd take Heim. If if I took Heim, you'd take Gibbs. (laughs) But I think being the short track that it is, we might see somebody else sneak in there and, and pick up one of these victories. It's very, it's definitely very possible. Uh, and that's why fans should not disregard any of these races, because even though it looks like it's between just those two drivers right now, things can happen when you're racing on a short track. Sometimes people don't leave that track uh, feeling real happy. So uh, it, it's a do not miss race for sure. And I know I keep saying that, but it's it's so true. Well, and I know we didn't get it in the notes 
uh, also reminded me that everybody can go to uh, Menards before noon and get discounted tickets. We know that Menards is a big racing sponsor as well as big in the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, the things they do for racing is unbelievable. So uh, you can get discounted ticket at a Menards store up there. Yes, so this is the time <laughs> to check it out. And I don't think you'll be disappointed, especially at a track like Elko. Okay, so we're coming up on the top of the hour, and that means it's time for us to get into our NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, they are racing for the very first time at Elko. No, they're racing for the very first time at Knoxville uh, Speedway. And, uh, oh, dear, I'm going to have to get my notes somewhere else because it's not where I normally store it here. Um, but normally, um, <clears throat> anyway, this is going to be a fun race to watch. I kind of lost my train of thought there, Jay. All right. I think oh, uh, here at the, the top fact of... that we're racing at the Camping World Truck Series, it's the very first time that they've raced at uh, Knoxville in the truck series. And this is on dirt. Yeah, we have seen them run on dirt. Uh, they've been doing Eldora. Uh, it's actually going to be at Knoxville this year. But we also saw them do Bristol. So these drivers are getting a little more experience. Yep. I think we're going to see a great, great show. Okay. Well, again, they're racing in Knoxville Raceway in Iowa. The race will be this Friday, tomorrow night. At, at July the 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern, and uh, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. There will be, there's also radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 75 miles over 150 laps. The first stage ends on lap 40. The second stage on lap 90, making that a 50-lap segment. And then the last stage is on the last lap, lap 150, making that last stage a 60-lap uh, segment. So uh, I know that uh, there's a couple of drivers uh, that will be on the entry list that have already won a race on dirt. And that's that have and that's been right. we got two race points. winners. Two former dirt track winners entered this weekend uh, for the Camping World Truck Series, and that's the Eldora Speedway or Bristol Motor Speedway on dirt. Matt Crafton was the 2017 Eldora winner, and Stuart Friesen, the 2019 Eldora winner. And there's more information to share on uh, Stuart Friesen. Yes, there is. So the, the Friesen's tried it at Bristol, but unfortunately it didn't work out. But this weekend they're going to give it another shot to become the first married couple in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series history to compete against one another in a series race. Jessica Friesen is a well-known car and modified dirt racer, and she's attempting to make her National Series debut while driving the number 62 Hallmark Friesen Racing Toyota at Knoxville Raceway. Now, this weekend will be Hallmark Friesen's second attempt at building a second truck for a race, and it will be alongside the familiar number 52 of Jessica's husband, Stuart Friesen. The most recent Camping World Truck Series regular to win a race on dirt 
in uh, at Eldora in 2019. Martin Truex Jr. won at Bristol earlier this year. Now, the Friesens have competed against each other in a race before. They actually finished first and second in a race at Utica Rome Speedway just two days after their wedding in 2014. But they will be attempting to do, become the first husband-wife duo to compete in the same NASCAR National Series event since Elton Sawyer and Patty Maurice did it at Atlanta in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 1998. So uh, that should make this fun to watch as well. I know. I was so upset when they didn't get to actually have the opportunity there at Bristol. So uh, good to see they're getting the opportunity here at Knoxville. Speaking of pairs and twos, we got two more chances remaining to win and get into the playoffs. We're going to take a look at the playoff bubble. There's just two races left in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season. So it's time to start talking about clinch scenarios and identify the drivers locked into and those still fighting to get into the 2021 playoffs. Already having clinched, there's five drivers with a spot in the 10-driver postseason NASCAR Camping World Truck Series field. That's John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Austin Hill, Todd Gillen, and Sheldon Creed. Hill is the first driver to have clinched a spot solely on points. The other four have already picked up wins this season. Now, if we look at uh, point scenarios for clinches, if there is a new winner, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the fifth winless driver in the standings. Uh, Zane Smith would do so with 18 points. Matt Crafton with 53 points. Stuart Friesen's in a spot where he can only clinch with a little bit of help. Now, if it's a repeat winner, those drivers uh, could clinch by being above the sixth place winless driver and 56 points. For that, Zane Smith um, would clinch regardless of finish, Crafton with 33 points, and Friesen, again, can only help do with a little help. But now you also have Carson Hosevar who could clinch with a little bit of help. On drivers that could clinch on their win alone, that would be Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, Stuart Friesen, Carson Hosevar, but also Chandler Smith, Johnny Sauter, Tyler Ankrum, Austin uh, Wayne Self, Derek Krause, and Ryan Truex. Now, there's a few drivers that could clinch with a win, as well as clinching a top 20 uh, position in uh, the point standings, as you have to be in the top 20 in the truck series in order to qualify. And that would be Haley Deegan, and she would clinch with uh, 41 points from the uh, 20th position. Tanner Gray could do so with 59s. Chase Purdy can only do so with a little bit of help. And one last note, uh, John Hunter Nemechek can clinch the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season championship with 34 points or being 60 points above the second-place driver in the standings following Knoxville. So that's another uh, clinch scenario kind of watch here with two races left. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be so exciting for uh, John Hunter Nemechek. He's worked so hard to get there. And uh, it was really cool to see him uh, being on track for that uh, series regular season championship. Three different tracks that are left to close out the Camping World Truck Series regular season. And when it comes to the last two tracks on the, on the regular season schedule, 
the difference between the two facilities couldn't be more vast. Uh, this weekend, the series heads to Knoxville, Iowa for the Truck Series debut at Knoxville Raceway in the Corn Belt 150 presented by Premier Chevy Dealers. Again, it's Friday a night, tomorrow night, July 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern, and will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Knoxville Raceway is a half-mile dirt track with eight degrees of banking in the turns. The track is largely known for sprint car races and will be unlike any other dirt track that the series has competed on. So that's going to make it very interesting. Uh, only those drivers that have competed at Knoxville are going to have the upper hand. Uh, then nearly a month later, after the Olympic break, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series will head north to Watkins Glen International, located just outside Watkins Glen, New York, for the race on August the 7th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, again, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1 with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM Car Radio. To wrap up the regular season, the competitors will be tasked with navigating the multi-elevational seven-turn road course. It will be the sixth time that the Camping World Truck Series has competed at the 2.45-mile course. And the first time in 20 years, uh, the last race was actually on June 24th of 2000. Uh, that's amazing <laughs> that it's been that long. It certainly has. Now, we look at, we talked about John Hunter Nemechek and the year he's having. Him and Kyle Busch Motorsports are setting up for a strong run in the postseason. And one thing that has been made very clear this season in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, and that's that Kyle Busch Motorsports brought John Hunter Nemechek back to the series for wins, and sadly for the competition, they are doing just that, winning. Uh, plus this weekend, again mentioned, John Hunter Nemechek could clinch that regular season championship by adding to his already impressive 2021 resume. That was two weeks ago at Pocono Raceway. Nemechek scored his NASCAR Camping World Truck Series season-leading fifth victory of 2021. It was a new single-season career high for Nemechek. In total, he's amassed five wins, uh, coming at Las Vegas, Richmond, Charlotte, Texas, and Pocono, eight top fives, and 11 top tens in just the 12 starts. Uh, Nemechek also leads the... NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver standings following Pocono Raceway by 86 points over second place Ben Rhodes. With only these two races remaining, Nemechek left, looks poised to lock up that regular season championship as well, which will grant him an additional 15 playoff points to add to his already series-leading 34 playoff points for a total of 49 to start the postseason if he doesn't collect any more at Knoxville or Watkins Glen. I mentioned Nemechek can clinch that regular season championship with 34 points or by being 60 points above the second-place driver in the standings following Knoxville. Now, since the inception of the playoffs in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, that came back in 2016, no playoff driver has accumulated more than 42 playoff points heading into the postseason. And Nemechek is on path to surpass that record this season. In 2016, when the playoffs began, 
Number one seed William Byron entered the postseason with 15 playoffs, playoff points. The 2017 playoffs began with the number one seed Christopher Bell entering the postseason with 40 playoff points. In 2018, it started with number one seed Johnny Sauter. He had 42. And in 2019, number one seed Brett Moffitt came in with 22. Now, the 2020 playoff... Um, 2020 playoffs began, it was number one seed Sheldon Creed, and he entered with 26 points. Also working in Nemechek's favor is four of the number one, four of the number, excuse me, four of the five number one seeds entering into the playoffs earned a spot in their respective season's championship four rounds, with the lone exception being William Byron. But of the five number one seeds, only one, I'm sorry, only two took home the series title. Christopher Bell in 2017, and then last season's champion, Sheldon Creed. And I know we've discussed that heartbreak for uh, William Byron. Uh, yeah. So right now, though, it favors him of Sheldon Creed doing it last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... One thing to look forward to this weekend at Knoxville Raceway for the Camping World Truck Series is that they have a very special format that they're going to use uh, that includes heat races. So heat race starting lineup uh, is going to be a random draw that determines heat race designation and starting position for the next for the heat race. The draw will be in the order of current owner points. So the qualifying heat races, there's going to be four races held at 15 laps each, with only green flag laps counted, no overtime rule. Free pass and wave-around procedures will also be in effect. The passing points. Drivers will accumulate points in the heat races based on finishing position and passing points. The points total determines the starting position for the feature event position and the finishing position. So go forward, you're going to accumulate passing points. If you go backward or finish where you started, you're going to have zero or negative passing points. Okay, actually if you go backward, it's still zero passing points. The tiebreaker is going to be the owner's points. So, for example, if I finish, if a driver finishes first in the heat race, they're going to get 10 points. Uh, and it goes down one point all the way to the 10th position from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and so forth. So the feature event, the lineup is based on combined points of the heat race finishing position and the passing points. So feature the feature race will be uh, 150 laps divided into three stages of 40, 90, and 150. Um, so running order will be frozen at the conclusion of each stage. And uh, during the stage breaks, teams can change tires, add fuel, and make adjustments to their trucks. These non-competitive pit stops must be completed in the time that's designated by NASCAR, and that is uh, to be determined. Uh, by the way, those laps, uh, that those stage laps, uh, that stage one ends on 40, stage two on 90, and stage three on 150. 
So uh, no fuel or tires except for during the stage breaks. It is mandatory to stop at least one of the stage breaks. So uh, additional event highlights. The choose rule will not be in effect at Knoxville. The overtime rule, free pass and wave around procedures will be in effect. I think I skipped a spot. Okay, Jay. Hello, Jay. Are you still there? Oh, he had to call in. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry okay, about that. I was Jay trying can. to help you out. I was, yeah, I was trying to help you out, but I was like, oh, shoot. You have it unmuted because, yeah, I did have to call back in. I accidentally uh, hit my phone there and knocked me offline. Oh, dear. That's not good. Okay, so I did skip a segment there. Uh, so why don't we go, or did I? No, you did talk about John Hunter Nemechek, so actually we got it all done. Um, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the series points for the truck series? Oh, and then I did it again. I shut it down. Uh, yeah, let me pull our... Fantasy uh, Racing Group points up, and I know I got word uh, a little bit earlier there. Uh, James had put his in, so I think we got a couple of the drivers picked already as well. Uh, for the truck series, there we go. Uh, this one's a one-point game. Andy is leading with 54 points. Sharon's at 53. I'm at 52 Mike at 48, Tommy at 46, Owen at 40, Sam at 35, and James is at 32. And if I slide over to our full chart here, give it real quick on who's been picked already. And James got me, it was James that got me this week. Owen started with Ben Rhodes, Sam come in with Chase Briscoe, which I'm sure was Andy's pick, and then James followed that up with Donnie Schatz, who was my pick. So... Uh, that puts it up to Andy. We'll see who he comes with. But, uh, yeah, I was actually thinking I might get Donnie Schatz, who's a sprint car uh, driver there. Okay. So uh, did you want to do the mm -hmm. other ones too? Okay, I can do that. We still, Yeah, we still got a couple minutes. Okay, go through all of them and go back to my gallery there. That was for the uh, trucks. The Xfinity Series uh, just is tied up top. It's Andy and Mike tied at 67. Sam at 65. I'm at 62. James is at 60. Uh, Owen at 54. Sharon at 53. And Tommy at 46. That one, again, 22 points from top to bottom. And then on the cup side, another one of one points. Mike took the points lead from me. I dropped a third. He's at 103. Sam is in between us at 102. I'm at 101. Owen at 90. Sharon's at 86. James at 80. Tommy at 77. And Andy at 43. And then, let's see if I can pull up the overall. I know that was tied at the top, too, uh, as well. 
I'm going to switch over to their tracking points there. Mike, oh, I'm sorry. He got an advantage on me. I take that back. Mike is the sole points leader uh, at 218. I'm at 215. Uh, Sam's at 202. Sharon at 192. Owen at 184. James, 172. Tommy, 169. And Andy, 164. We mentioned the truck series only have two races left. When the playoffs start for each series, for those series, we do double points. So uh, they may sound like some big points gaps there, but most of them were pretty small. Plus, we're looking at double points here in a couple of weeks across all three series. So going to get exciting. A lot can change. Yes, indeed. Okay, we'll go ahead and get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the Credit Karma Money 250 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. They'll be racing Saturday. July the 10th, starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. NBC Sports Network will have their pre-race coverage starting at 3 p.m., along with radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 251.02 miles over 163 laps. Uh, the first stage ends on lap 40. The second stage on lap 80, making both of those stages 40-lap events. And then the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 163, making that an 83-lap segment. Well, to start with here in the Xfinity Series, the Manufacturers Championship is up for grabs. Chevrolet still has the lead in the Manufacturers Championship standings, but not by much as Toyota is catching up. With seven wins for Chevrolet so far, they've accumulated 622 points with six wins. Now Toyota has 610. Toyota has won five of the last seven races. Ford has four wins, all coming from Austin Cindric, and they're third in the standings with four wins and 573 points. Okay. Uh, next we've got the rookie update. Uh, and Josh Berry holds on to a Sunoco rookie standing lead, but Gibbs is catching up. Josh Berry held on to the lead in the Xfinity Series rookie driver standings over Joe Gibbs Racing rising star Ty Gibbs, even though he didn't compete at Road America on Saturday. Now, Berry, who ran a partial schedule for junior motorsports, is only 18 points ahead of Gibbs after Road America where Gibbs did compete, but he did have a transmission issue that gave him a 33rd-place finish. Now, Barry is entered to run this weekend at Atlanta. He's racing for Jordan Anderson Racing in the number 31 Chevrolet. Gibbs is currently not entered this weekend, so Josh is going to have a chance to extend his points lead again. Uh, right now, he's at 348 points with five awards. Ty Gibbs at 330 points with six awards. Then it's Ryan Vargas at 162 with four awards, and Jay Buford with 90 points and one award. Sam Mayer is the driver who's also racing a part-time schedule in the number eight for junior motorsports. He has 21 points and no awards up to this point. 
I think Sam Mayer's, I know we're watching uh, Barry and Gibbs, but Sam Mayer's another one to watch now as he gets his time in that number eight. Could be uh, interesting to see where he climbs up the standings. Yes, indeed. Now, with the Xfinity Series, we got two drivers heading home, uh, not necessarily out of the race, but heading home as they are from Georgia and are entered into this weekend's NASCAR Xfinity Series race, the Credit Karma Money 250. And they're extra revved out, revved up about racing at their home track, Atlanta Motor Speedway, and looking to finish better than they did earlier this season. Uh, RSS Racing's Ryan Sieg is from Tucker, and Joe Gibbs Racing Brandon Jones is from the city of Atlanta himself, itself. Now Jones is especially looking for redemption after the 37th place at the first Atlanta race. Sieg, however, finished 10th. In the 30. 30- 33-year-old driver of Ryan Sieg and that family-owned organization, RSS Racing, are based in Tucker, Georgia, which is Sieg's hometown. The team is run by Ryan's father, Rod Sieg, and the duo have competed in the NASCAR Xfinity Series since 2013 when they made their series debut at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Last season, Sieg had a career-best season, racking up seven top fives and 11 top tens for the year. And this weekend, he'll head to Atlanta Motor Speedway for the ninth time in his career. He's completed 1,205 of the 1,336 laps attempted, which is set at 90.2%. He's got an average start, 19.6, and an average finish uh, right there with it, though, at 19.9. His best finish is 10th, and that came earlier this season. Uh, Sieg will start 16th come Saturday. Now, from Atlanta, Georgia, that's uh, Brandon Jones of Joe Gibbs Racing. He's had kind of an up-and-down 2021 season so far. Jones will make his seventh Atlanta start on Saturday. He's completed 945 laps of the 978 attempted, which is 96.6%. His average starts in the 15s at 15.5 and the average finish of 15.2. He's got a best finish of fourth, which came in 2019. Now, Jones does go into this weekend ninth in the series point standings, 36 points from the playoff cut line. He will start 12th on Saturday. So he's got a lot on his shoulders going into Atlanta. Yes, indeed. He wants to stay in that top 12. And, in fact, we'll talk about the bubble playoff bubble in the Xfinity series because the series uh, chances go down to nine. Uh, There are just nine races left in the regular season, uh, and it is time to take a look at the Xfinity series playoff clinch scenarios heading into this weekend's race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. The Credit Karma Money 250 is this Saturday, and a win will get you in. But drivers much, must still clench their spot on points, accumulating enough points that even with a win, they do not fall out of the top 30 and become ineligible for the playoffs. Now, a few drivers are already clenched. There's three that have clenched a spot in the 12-driver Xfinity Series postseason field. They include Austin Sendrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and Justin Algauer. Algauer clenched his spot just last weekend at Road America. All three of those drivers have wins this season. 
Uh, now, uh, Jeff Burton has not yet clinched a top 30 spot, but could clinch a playoff spot with a win this weekend. Burton has one win and 397 points ahead of 31st place. So he can clinch the points at Atlanta this weekend. Uh, those drivers that are clinching the regular season championship, Austin Sindrick cannot clinch the regular season championship this weekend with his four wins and 721 points because their second-place driver has 632 and can still reach 1,172 points. So out below, outlined below is the current playoff standings for the Xfinity Series after Road America heading into Atlanta this weekend. So, again, this differs from the point standings uh, because this is based on the number of race wins. So Austin Sindrick currently has the lead. He's at three wins, five stage wins, for a total of 20 playoff points at 558 points. Uh, behind him is A.J. Allmendinger at 462 points. Uh, he has the two race wins, three stage wins for 13 playoff points. Justin Algauer at 395 points has two race wins and one stage win, giving him 11, 419 points. He actually has more than Justin Algauer, but he only has the one race win. And he has no stage wins, so that gives him just the five playoff points. Then it's Myatt Snyder at 321 with one win, no stage wins, and five playoff points. Now this next group is kind of uh, those drivers uh, that are kind of uh, could still be vulnerable. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Daniel Hemrick at 437 points. Uh, has no race wins at this point and just five stage wins or five, um, uh, yeah, five stage wins for five uh, playoff points. Harrison Burton would be in seventh. Again, no wins, one stage win, one playoff point. Justin Haley at 401 has no wins, three stage wins and three playoff points. Brandon Jones, 345, no wins, one stage win, and one playoff point. Jeremy Clements at 334 points, has no wins and no stage points. Michael Lynette is 11th. He's at 326 points. Again, no wins, no playoff points. Noah Gregson sits on the cut line right now. He's uh, in that 12th place with no wins and two stage wins with two playoff points. Below him is uh, in 13th place is Brandon Brown with zero wins and zero playoff points. In fact, all of this group that's under the cut line has no stage wins or playoff points. Uh, there's Riley Earps at 279. He's 45 points back. Brandon Brown is 15 cut lines. And then in 15th place is Ryan Sieg at 80 points below. And then 16th is Landon Castle at 101 points below. Those guys that are sitting below the cutoff line, uh, their best bet is to go after that victory and uh, don't count on points. 
to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing, Sharon. Ryan Sieg at minus 80 uh, is not mathematically out of getting in on points, <laughs> but it would be really, really tough. Ironically, next exactly. we're going to talk about the skinny of Atlanta Motor Speedway, and I say that because they're going to start making it narrower after this weekend like we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll give you some history on Atlanta Motor Speedway. And finally, with this race, the credit come up money 250 be Saturday afternoon at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. The previous 30 NASCAR Xfinity Series races at, at Atlanta Motor Speedway have produced 17 different pole winners and 19 different race winners. Kyle Busch leads the series in poles at Atlanta with six, and Kevin Harvick leading the series in wins with five. Now, it's Chase Elliott who holds the record for the youngest pole winner. He was 18 years, nine months, and two days back in 2014. And I love this stat. Dick Trickle holds the record for the oldest pole winner, 57 years, (laughs) no months, and 11 days back in 1998. Now, it's NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon, who is the youngest winner in Atlanta Xfinity Series history, uh, 20 years, seven months, 10 days. Uh, in 1992, and another legend, if you will, Harry Gant. He's the oldest winner at 54 years, doing it back in 1994. The last race won from the pole was by Kyle Busch in 2017, and only six times in that history did the winner start on the pole pole or first position. Uh, It's Jeremy Clements and Kyle Busch that have the most starts among active drivers in the Xfinity Series. Clements with 12 and Bush at 13. Mentioned Bush has two wins in Atlanta. Algar and Almendinger each have one. They're the only three active drivers in the series with wins at the track this weekend. Now Harrison Burton, he's currently has the third highest average running position at 5.673, the highest among active drivers, only behind Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr., who have run select races in the series. Burton also has the fifth highest driver rating in Atlanta and is the highest ranked full-time Xfinity Series driver at 108.4. Almendinger is behind him at six at 107.1. So that gives us some info about making our picks here coming up. Yes, it does. Uh, Now, Kyle Busch, is four for four, and he just keeps winning. And I believe he's entered again this weekend. Cal Bush was once again victorious in the Xfinity Series at Road America on the 4th of July week. He won last Saturday's Henry 180, claiming his fourth Xfinity Series win in four starts this season. Now the winningest driver in series history, he has 101 victories. And he's turning his attention this weekend to Atlanta Motor Speedway to see if he can make it a perfect 5 for 5. Now, last weekend at Road America on lap 41 of 45, Bush grabbed the lead from the road course pace, A.J. Allmendinger, whose number 16 was on old tires. The next four laps helped Bush extend his lead over the Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Daniel Hemrick who sped past Almondinger for the runner-up spot. Bush won in his Road America debut for the 101st time in his career, continuing to extend his own series record. 
with Bush's win on Saturday, it also marked 12 different winners in as many races at Road America, keeping the streak alive. Now, this weekend, Bush is back behind the wheel uh, at Atlanta Motor Speedway in the number 54, Joe Gibbs Royston Toyota. Bush has made 13 starts at the 1.54-mile track, posting two wins in 2016 and 17, nine top fives and ten top tens. Uh, nobody better than Kyle Bush in the Xfinity Series. He certainly has proven to be tough to beat. Now, when we look at the uh, series as a whole, it was uh, once again the Kyle Bush show last weekend. Sharon mentioned Road America. Bush uh, winning his fourth Xfinity Series race in four starts, bringing his career series total to 101 victories. Bush has won in all three series this season, claiming eight NASCAR National Series wins, two at the cup level, four in the Xfinity Series, and two wins in the trucks. Following Bush, uh, that was Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Daniel Hemrick finishing second, Michael Annette third, A.J. Allmendinger fourth, and then Harrison Burton rounding out the top five. Now, this weekend, we'll mark the second time this season that the NASCAR Xfinity Series heads to Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is a 1.54-mile paved track in Hampton, Georgia. It'll be that way until after this race, uh, this race weekend. Now, Justin Algar, he's the one that won the race earlier this season, leading 47 laps and beating NASCAR Cup Series regular Martin Truex by 1.449 seconds. Truex had led a race-high 103 laps and swept both stages prior to being beat by Algar. <clears throat> the race was an eventful one. Saw seven cautions for 37 laps and six different lead changes. Average speed was 115.117 miles per hour. And the race took two hours to ease seconds. Now, Saturday's Atlanta, Saturday's Atlanta Motor Speedway race will be 251.02 miles or 163 laps, stage one at the end of lap 40, stage two at the end of lap 80. And this race uh, weekend starting lineups was determined by the metric qualifying, and as a result, Kyle Busch will start on the pole with DJ, uh, JGR, sorry, teammate Daniel Hemrick, joining him on the front row. Uh, definitely going to be interesting, and I think have a, a huge impact here, at least on the playoff bubble for the Xfinity Series. Yes, indeed, and everybody wants to beat Kyle Busch. Uh, they want to kind of prevent him from making that five for five, and so we'll see which Xfinity Series driver and if they can do that. Okay, coming up also is our Cup Series uh, racing the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart at Atlanta Motor Speedway on Sunday, July the 11th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, NBC Sports Network and radio coverage is on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 400.4 miles, over 260 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 80, stage 2 on lap 160, so both of those stages are 80 laps apiece. And then the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 260, making that a 100-lap segment. 
Well, when we look at Atlanta Motor Speedway, we're looking at Ford as they're looking to keep a win streak alive. It's the longest consecutive win streaks by a manufacturer in the NASCAR Cup Series uh, is at Atlanta Motor Speedway is five victories by Ford, coming back as far going back as far as 2017, 18, 19, 20, and now 20 or 21. And this weekend, the manufacturer is looking to keep that streak alive and make it six. Team Penske is a Ryan Blaney is the most recent Ford winner at Atlanta, and he took home the trophy earlier this season. In total, nine different manufacturers have won in the NASCAR Cup Series at Atlanta, led by Chevrolet with 40 victories, followed by Ford with a career total of 34. Pontiac has 11, Dodge 9, Mercury 8, Buick 4, Plymouth 4, Toyota only 3, and then Oldsmobile with 1. Okay. Uh, now, this weekend is packed full of great entertainment and racing action. And Atlanta Motor Speedway has also invited several great dignitaries to join in on the festivities. As previously announced, breakout star Freeland will get race fans revved up for the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart with a live concert on the pre-race stage at Atlanta Motor Speedway this Sunday, July the 11th. Employees of the College Park, Georgia, Walmart store will also serve as grand marshals for the Quaker State 400, uh, presented by Walmart this Sunday, and the team earned the opportunity through a contest between Walmart locations to save the most famous boards and motorsports and kick off the 400 miles of racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So Sunday's national anthem is also going to be performed by country singer and songwriter Corbett Jackson. Jackson grew up in Noonan, Georgia, before moving to Nashville to pursue a career as country music music artist. Now, currently one of the most played independent artists in country radio, Jackson's currently preparing for the release of his new fundraiser single, Small Town Kid, with profits from the song going to the Coletta Community Foundation Tornado Relief Fund. Now, Atlanta, Atlanta operatic tenure, Timothy Miller will perform God Bless America during pre-race festivities for the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart. Miller is well known for his performances before Atlanta Braves home games and brings his powerful and legendary voice to NASCAR for the first time on Sunday. And streaking across the sky above Atlanta Motor Speedway during the national anthem on Sunday will be the C-130 and two HH-60 gunner helicopters piloted by Moody Air Force Base in Valdosta, Georgia. So a lot to look forward to uh, for pre-race festivities. Well, something else to look forward to, and that'll be in 2022, as Atlanta Motor Speedway will undergo a reprofile. Following the uh, July 11th Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart, AMS will break ground on a historic project to create the next generation of Atlanta Motor Speedway in 2022. As following 10 months of confidential research, development, testing, and simulation with engineers and iRacing, 
The reprofile was going to increase the current 24-degree banking in Atlanta's turns to 28 degrees, which is higher than any other immediate track on the current NASCAR circuit. Straightaway banking will remain at 5 degrees, and in addition to the new high banks, the racing service will become narrow with an overall decrease in width from 55 feet to 40 feet. The new width will be 52 feet on the front stretch, 42 feet on the back stretch, and 40 feet in the turns. Construction is slated to begin the week following the July 11th Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart with that next generation of Atlanta Motor Speedway making its debut in 2022 in conjunction with the NASCAR's next-gen car. Okay. There's nobody hungrier for a win in 2021 than nine wins Last season, uh, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick returns to Atlanta Motor Speedway for his 21st race of the 2021 season. Still, He's still winless and looking to secure a spot in the playoffs. Now, last season's regular season champion, uh, Kevin Harvick, hasn't visited uh, Victory Lane since Bristol Motor Speedway in September of 2020. That's 27 races ago, the longest winless streak since coming to SHR in 2014. On the positive note, Atlanta Motor Speedway is one of Harvey's best tracks statistically. He is tied with Kurt Busch for the most wins among active drivers with three apiece. In total, he's put up three wins in 2001, 18, and again in 20. He has nine top five pole awards. His average finish in 31 series starts at Atlanta is 12.783, which is third best. Plus, he's ranked in the top 10 of several key driver rating, uh, several key pre-race loop data categories with an average running position of 11.728, that's seventh best and a driver rating of 101.4, which is the series best. 606 fastest laps run, that's also a series best, and 5,085 laps in the top 15, which is third most in the series. Keep an eye on Harvey this weekend. Four of his last six starts this season, he has posted top 10 finishes. So he's with a, maybe a win this weekend at Atlanta. Well, I'd have to agree. Atlanta would be a good place for him to do it. Now, we talked about the other series, a uh, regular season championship possibly being clinched. That's not so in the Cup Series as it's tightened up this severely with six races to go. Following the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series race at Dover International Speedway back on May 16th, as driver standings leader Denny Hamlin had grown his points cushion to a stout 101 points over second place. But since then, Kyle Larson has rallied and closed that points deficit to just three points. And that's tightening up that race for the regular season championship with just six more races to go. And winning the NASCAR Cup Series regular season championship not only garners the prestige of the accomplishment, but it also pays the 15 playoff points. That's the equivalent to three race wins or 15 stage wins 
worth of playoff points, which is quite the haul. A NASCAR Cup Series started awarding the regular season championship back in 2017. Since then, three different drivers have accomplished the feat. There's Kevin Harvick last year in 2020, and Kyle Busch in 2019 and 18, and Martin Truex in 2017. In two of the past four seasons, regular season champ has, on, has gone on to win the playoffs title. Truex did it in 17 and Bush in 2019. Gazing to this week in Atlanta, Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin will be working to build on the slim points lead he has left. Hamlin has made 22 starts at the 1.5 mile track, 5.4 mile track, posting one pull, one win coming back in 2012, six top fives, nine top tens, and has led a total of 418 laps. He finished fourth at Atlanta earlier this season. Now, Hendrick Motorsports' Kyle Larson, he returns to Atlanta not only hunting for the points lead, but also looking for redemption from earlier this season when he dominated the event, leading 269 of the 325 scheduled laps, which is 82.7%, only to finish runner-up to Team Penske's Ryan Newman by 2.083 seconds. It was a pass for the lead with eight laps left in the Atlanta race back in March, Blaney took the air out of an otherwise dominating performance by Kyle Larson. It was Larson's second top five and fourth top ten of his seven career starts at the 1.54 mile track. And ironically, Larson has led the exact same number of laps at Atlanta as Hamlin at 418. And that's one of those that definitely slipped away from him. He could be in a better position, but so could Hamlin. So we'll see how it plays out between the two of them. All right. Uh, We're going to talk about clinch scenarios again. Time is running out to secure a playoff spot. Just six races remain in the regular season in the NASCAR Cup Series, and time is running out for drivers to secure their spot in the playoffs. Now, looking ahead to Atlanta Motor Speedway, five drivers have clinched the spot on wins and points, with several others having the opportunity to do the same this weekend. Already clinched, the following drivers have clinched a spot in the 16-driver postseason field. That includes Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., and Alex Bowman. Now, the following drivers can clinch if they build up enough points to ensure that they will not be left out of the playoffs to not at all due to not all winning drivers having a slot available. William Byron could only clinch with help. Joy Logano could only clinch with help. Um, Okay. Now, some drivers can clinch with a win. The following drivers could clinch on a win alone this weekend. Those drivers include William Byron, Joy Logano, Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, and Denny Hamlin. For some drivers, it's going to be impossible to clinch this weekend. Even with a win, Kevin Harvick could not clinch a playoff spot on wins since there still exists the possibility of all winners failing to make the playoff. Clinch with a win, no winless driver below them in the standings could clinch either. 
So that makes it interesting as well. Uh, these drivers uh, really want to get into the playoffs, though, with a win. Most certainly. Uh, speaking of wins, we're going to take a look at the history of Atlanta Motor Speedway as they gear up for the second stop of 2021 at AMS. They'll be slipping and sliding, but what will be the NASCAR Cup Series uh, preparing as they get set to take on the NASCAR Cup Series' oldest surface. Its last repave was in 1997. That'll be on July 11th for the Quaker State 400, presented by Walmart. Be covered on NBCSN, PRN, and Sirius XM Satellite Radio starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now this weekend's Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart be the 115th running of a NASCAR Cup Series race at Atlanta Motor Speedway in the second this season. The Speedway is a 1.54-mile paved oval located in Hampton, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. Originally, it was called Atlanta International Raceway, and at that point, the track was in a 1.5-mile paved speedway. The first NASCAR Cup Series race at Atlanta was on July 31st, 1960, was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Fireball Roberts, coming from the pole position. The track was remeasured to 1.522 miles in the spring of 1970, and that's when it was renamed the Atlanta Motor Speedway. I'm sorry, it was renamed the Atlanta Motor Speedway in 1990. The track layout was reversed, and the track was reconfigured to 1.54 miles between the two races in 1997. The previous 114 NASCAR uh, races at Atlanta Motor Speedway have produced 52 different pole winners and 45 different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famer, Famer Buddy Baker and Roush Fenway Racing's Ryan Newman lead the series in poles at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and they're tied with seven each. <clears throat> now, this weekend's race has the starting lineups uh, posted and determined by the metric qualifying, and as a result, the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion and most recent winner at Road America last weekend, Chase Elliott, will start from the pole. And it'll be Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch joining him on the outside of the front row. Look at uh, some stats. NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt leads the series and wins at Atlanta Motor Speedway. He's got nine victories coming in 1980, 84, 86, 88, 89. And then in the 90s, it was uh, 1990, 95, 96. And he also picked one up in 2000. Now, Stuart Haas's racing's Kevin Harvick, uh, 2001, 2018, and 2020, along with Chip Ganassi's Kurt Busch in 2002, 09, and 10, lead all active series winners at Atlanta with three each. Now, six active former NASCAR Cup Series winners are entered into this weekend. They include Team Penske's Ryan Blaney, who grabbed his first Atlanta Motor Speedway win of his career earlier this season. And three of the six active Atlanta Cup winners this weekend are looking for their first win of the 2021 season. Mentioned Kevin Harvick, but also Kurt Busch, and the current points leader, Denny Hamlin. I mentioned uh, Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch's three wins each. Brad Keselowski is next on the list with two. He picked his up in 2019 and 17. 
Kyle Busch has a little bit of a range there. His was in 2013 and 2008. Ryan Blaney's was in 2021. And Denny Hamlin all the way back in 2012. So going to be interesting. Uh, like you said, those wins are uh, very important, some uh, for playoff points, some for locking into the playoffs, or if they can, working their way into the playoffs. Absolutely. Okay, now there's a lot of racing going on this weekend. We've mentioned uh, uh, all of the races that are taking place between NASCAR and uh, the Arkham Menard Series, but the SRX is also racing this weekend at Slinger, Wisconsin. So fans will want to tune in, check your local listings for the time uh, for that race on Saturday, July the 10th. And then also on Sunday, July the 11th, the IndyCar drivers will be racing at Toronto. That will be televised on the NBC Sports Network. Again, just check your local listings. Uh, to make sure that you have the correct time for your area. So a lot of racing again this weekend, Jay. Uh, Most certainly is. uh, And a lot of it, like I said, some unique situations. Atlanta would be the last last race on this configuration. Uh, Knoxville Speedway, uh, first for the Cup Series, not for the Cup Series, the Camping World Truck Series. So a lot of different things going on this weekend at a lot of different venues. Yes, indeed. Uh, so uh, it's not often that we have three different tracks uh, that we're covering for racing, uh, but this is one of those weekends that we do indeed have three different tracks uh, that we cover here tonight during our preview part of the show. Okay, now in a couple minutes here, we'll be starting our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the fans of racing crew. Andy just left a note. Uh, I think he's going to be on. He might be a little bit late, but he is definitely planning to be on tonight. And I believe we have Tommy Kraft also coming on tonight. I'm not sure that Mike's going to be available tonight. I think he said he was not available. Yeah, I think he said it was going to be a couple. I don't remember if he said a couple shows or a couple weeks before he was going to be able to be on again. Yeah, so... But uh, we'll have a good discussion with both Andy and Tommy, as well as yourself and myself, on Hot Topics tonight. So anything else you want to mention before we move on to Hot Topics, Jay? Well, being that I pulled it up, and i got to admit, I honestly did not even realize it. Uh, Talking about our truck picks for Knoxville Speedway, uh, James took Donnie Shots. Well, let me back up here first off. Sam took Chase Briscoe, which I knew was entered and uh, should be a good pick. James took Donnie Schatz, the uh, sprint car champion that is driving. And then also, and I did not realize he was on the list, Andy just took Kyle Strickler, and I just wanted to be able to say it, the high time <laughs> tickler, uh, dirt late model driver, <laughs> which, uh, again, great pick. Uh, I did not even realize he was on. So I had to go with Brett Moffitt. Okay. Uh, am I up next there? Who's next? Uh, no, for the trucks, uh, Mike is up, uh, though you are up for one of them. Uh, let me take a look real quick. I gave a I know I... six for one. Okay, I will back up here and check in just a second. Okay, there's Mike. Yeah, Mike is up next for the 
truck series. Let me take a look at the Xfinity series one. Okay, well, no, you took you took Cup. Okay, so on the Cup side, uh, James James started us there with Kyle Larson. I went with Chase Elliott. Uh, Tommy went Kyle Busch and Sharon. Yeah, that's where you came in with Martin Truex all the way. Andy followed that with uh, Chase Briscoe as well, who he's going all the way with. So that'll put Owen up there. And let me see if I can find the Xfinity Series real quick before uh, that one got shuffled all the way up. Okay, waiting on Owen on that one. Um, Okay, uh, for the Xfinity Series. No, I found it. Um, Tommy started with Kyle Busch, so he is racing. And he went with the uh, next logical Xfinity Series driver. That's uh, Sindrick. Mike tried to get my pick with A.J. Allmendinger, uh, which was not it, but and James took Justin Algar, so that puts uh, Owen up next, and I got two more to wait out here. Uh, like I said, I think I learned some things. So, Sharon, if you learned the same things reading through the uh, preview tonight, keep in mind <laughs> I just heard the, read the same things. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it should be interesting to see what our picks are going to be, although I, I – uh, I do have uh, MTJ, and I I just have faith in him. I know things have either been up or down. Uh, we'll see what happens this week at uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Okay, it is the top of the hour, and it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us for tonight's Hot Topic, we have um, Andy Lassie. <laughs> Andy, welcome. Oh, he's not here yet. So we must have. Uh, is maybe we do have uh, Mike? Mike, are you on tonight? No. Okay. Then we have Tommy. Tommy, are you here? Yes, it's me. <laughs> okay. So we do have Tommy. There's somebody else here. I'm not sure who it is. Are you kidding me? It's Quentin. Oh, Quentin, okay. Uh, so Quentin I'm is sorry, here. there was just a little things I wanted to feed in on. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and get started with our Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, I know uh, Andy will be joining us here shortly. So uh, let's go ahead and have uh, Tommy go ahead and kick us off on Hot Topic Sound Off here tonight. So, Tommy, go ahead. Can I defer to Quentin? <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay. Quentin, do you want to go ahead and start us off? Just give uh, us the topic, well, and then we'll I, go around the, the table. The one that got my most curiosity is USA Network um, doing their new uh series and is this kind of a lead in to next year as NBC kinda lays down and doesn't want to be a part of the full season? I mean this this got my curiosity. Okay, and you're talking about USA has the new series? Uh USC 
came up with NASCAR for new doctors series. Um, it says USA Network announced Thursday it has given the green light for the race for the championship. Um, so yeah, anyone else pick up on that? Okay. Uh, usually we post all of the hot topics over on our uh, team page, but I know, uh, that's okay. I, I should be over to, there on that. You're talking about NASCAR to produce a playoff docu-series? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Okay, so Tommy, but have sure, you sure. had a chance? Go ahead. Sharon, if you, if you want to look at it while Tommy Tommy responds there, I do have it under there. Uh, I think it's the third, fourth one up uh, yeah, on our list. Yeah, I've got it on Jayski here. Okay. Okay. And I've got it on Jayski here too. Okay, go ahead, Tommy. Well, I'm interested you... to see more. I'm interested to see more so in the future here because um, it's the I think it leads into next year, maybe them being on USA Network or maybe in two years, whenever whenever that deal is up, it seems like it might be leading into NASCAR going to USA Network. But um, I'm actually interest, interested to see the race for the championship. I think it'll be – I think that's going to be cool. I think it'll be unique uh, getting to watch in 22 how the playoffs played out from, like, the inside the organization type thing. That that'll be interesting, I think. So, um, maybe NASCAR would go more like ESPN, CBS, NBC, Fox, and not USA. But that's just that's just me. But at the same time, um, maybe this will work out. Okay, Jay, what are your thoughts? Starting with the project itself, I think it is great. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be, I think, an eight episode documentary covering uh, throughout the playoffs uh, not uh, of this year and to be aired sometime in 2022. And I do look at it as it down the future of USA maybe getting their feet wet, seeing what it's like um, and what, what kind of response they might start giving as far as if NBC completely pulls out and NASCAR wants it on network television, that that might be who they go to. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what, what Tommy, uh, on the second round there, why are you looking at USA as not being one? I understand that if NBC has certain contracts and they don't get to bring in the, their own broadcasters, but we've seen CBS fill in with some new or different people. I think they've done a great job. So I think USA would as well if it were to go down that road. Um, and I believe USA is one that's available to most cable subscribers or on all uh satellite network so i think that one that would be a good fit as far as that perspective we've never seen usa be involved in racing race coverage so i can't say of how they would produce as far as that good point oh okay uh yeah i i think it's a great concept probably going to be really interesting uh to watch those episodes on usa uh, and as far as it leading to them being uh, 
you know, continuing the uh, broadcast coverage of the 2022 season, uh, it's kind of hard to say whether or not that's going to happen. There's plenty of time to make an announcement, I'm sure, uh, because NBC Sports Network will continue this season. And, of course, to start off next season, it will be Fox Sports uh, that will be kicking off the season. Now, I think I recall reading uh, somewhere along the line here that both Fox Sports and NBC Sports Network have contracts through the 2024 season. So I don't think anything's going to happen until then. So I'm not looking for this to be something that happens uh, this season or next season, this season for sure, but uh, for it, it to be something that's happening within the next couple of years. Uh, the earliest, uh, I think, would have to be 2025 at this point if the contracts go through the 2024 season. So, Quentin, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Um, I'm not really disappointed in the whole NBC deal, um, even though it's going to be gone after the end of this year, um, because I'm still able to get my Dale Earnhardt download. Um, I'm still able to get uh, a lot of repeats on the YouTube channel. I'm still able to um, pick up a lot of stuff off the uh, Peacock thing. So it really hasn't been that bad. Um, As far as NBC going away, you guys have discussed this to the bone. Um, I don't know. I don't think it will be that bad because that's what a lot of people are doing. Tommy, your follow-up. I was just thinking, um, like, I would prefer to see NASCAR on NBC, CBS, and ESPN because I feel like those are the channels that a lot of people get. And I do know that USA is one, so that's another reason that, I mean, maybe it could work out. But it it is better than FS1 and NBC Sports because I feel like even back where I'm from in eastern North Carolina, you don't really get NBC NBC, uh, Sports that much. I don't think I ever – really could find it when I was back at home, yeah. It was it was a hard ch- a channel to find. But, um, yeah, and I'd also be interested to see who USA selects as the, uh, their announcers for the races. That would be that would be pretty cool. Okay. You know, okay. Sharon, I don't want to, um, like, you said that you had trouble seeing the SRX, and I don't mean to change subjects. But um, CBS SN does not repeat the races, even though it's on uh, national network broadcasting. Okay. Uh, Jay, do you want to go on with your comment? Well, I understand what Tommy's saying, and yeah, I'd have to agree. And I've only seen USA cover a, a limited number of live sporting events, one of them being the uh, the dog show, so I don't know if we can compare that. But I think if they choose <laughs> to go down that road, 
that give them the opportunity to build it. And, you know, the first year they may uh, be a little bit behind. I know Mike likes to critique the, the announcers and the broadcast more than I do. Uh, I'm willing to give them that chance. So I, I do feel, though, that is one that is more common and available to people. And, yes, I would like to see it go back to ESPN. We've seen that these ones that have done uh, race coverage obviously are going to be more experienced at it. But the other thing I wanted to address was Sharon mentioned the contract. Uh, if NBC is backing it down, though, to a streaming situation, that might not be in their contract. Another company may be able to buy out the final three years. You know, if NASCAR says, hey, you guys want out, we have somebody that wants in, a deal can be worked mm-hmm. out. Sometimes you're driving for one team yes, and you've agreed to – drive and own another team <laughs> and just can't announce it yet. So maybe that's the case. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, Jay. And uh, uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see how that does play out. I know NBC has made the announcement uh, that they're looking to back away from it, but they do have that streaming service. Uh, so I don't know if NASCAR is happy with that or if they're unhappy with that idea. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I agree with you as far as uh, evaluating the the uh, broadcast booth. I'm not really into that either. Uh, I have certain ones that I do like over others, uh, but when it comes down to it, when it boils down to the end, uh, we have no influence over who's going to be in that booth and who isn't. And so we're going to have to deal with whoever they choose. So to me, we try to make the best of it, I guess. So, Quentin, you get the final word on this particular topic. Well, you just, I like Clint Boyer. I really do. He's the clown. Um, And, uh, you know, how they can play off each other, and I think you guys probably said this already um you know i love having people on the booth that aren't like rock solid serious i i like a clint boyer i like a oh even Todd bodine could be funny <laughs> from time to time so um but yeah as far as usa network I don't know, as long as they don't bring back Kent Squire. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Okay, I don't see Andy here yet, so we'll go to the next topic. Tommy, are you ready to uh, tell us what your next topic is? Uh, let's go with... Um... Apparently, there are some questions unanswered about the safety of the next-gen car. Okay. Uh, Jay, you're up. Well, and I posted this one. I came across it on Twitter, and it wasn't something we had talked about. I don't know if uh, – and I know Mike would be the one to normally be more uh, up on this. But it was unfortunate he wasn't here to respond on that one tonight. But – Bob Pockris had something up, and it was a Twitter feed. And now let me see if I can find it. Uh, his response to a couple of other people says that 
the rumors had been around for months. NASCAR's John Probst in May was quoted as saying, we simulated some of the bigger incidences that we've had with the current Gen 6 car onto the next gen car. I'd say we're pretty happy with where we're at. I won't get into the specifics of where we're at. So that was the first one of, and it was in response to a tweet that asked Bob what his thoughts were on the rumors about fatal testing with the next gen car. And then I posted another Mm -hmm. reply on there that it's NASCAR's MO is to not get into specifics when it comes to many things, when it comes to safety and crash reconstruction for liability reasons. Obviously, I would want to know more info, too, and think it should be made public. And that was in response to somebody asked why they couldn't get into the specifics. So with that, on those two things, one, like I said, I hadn't even heard anything on this that they were having uh, concerns when it came to simulating crashes, which... Uh, as you, you guys know on here, I'm not a big fan of the basing things off of simulation because it's just no matter what, you can't be realistic about it. I would much rather have the, the engineers and inputs from crew chiefs and drivers uh, than I would in simulations, truthfully. Now, his response to that question, and this has come up on several things when we talk about NASCAR, the transparency. I understand what Bob's saying is there may be some liability issues on that and they don't want to scare anybody but on the other hand if that info is getting out there you need to address it and even you know Parker says I think too that should be made public at least to some level uh, to know that it's being addressed there is a concern it's being addressed and again maybe you'll get more input from some people like drivers I know Jeff Burton is, is specifically comes to mind when it comes to safety is very involved with NASCAR on that so I think that that yes, would be a better route to go or get them involved in it anyway if they're not. Okay. Quentin, what are your thoughts? Uh, carbon fiber bodies. I mean, that that is great. Everyone always talks about it on the track. We can just pop them out like plastic. And I don't... I don't know if that's the best way to go. Um, You know, the interior chassis, to me, is what really matters. Does that make sense? I don't... Yeah. um, I don't... I don't know. I mean, the helmet, the seat, the, you know, all the above is where it really matters. That's, to me, that's, um, I don't know, however it's bolted to the chassis, however it's on the frame rails, however it's, but, yeah, can you fix the outer body during a pit stop? Of course you can. Um, You know, pop out the plastic and, Finish the race. I don't. I. I don't know where I'm at with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that there's some safety issues. Uh, I've got to think that NASCAR is is definitely looking into what those safety issues are with that next gen car. Um, 
I know that folks have said we're pretty happy with where we are. Uh, I won't get into specifics of where we're at. Where we're at. Um, so, again, I guess a lot of that would have to do with liability. But it sounds to me like a lot of people seem to be aware of it uh, because it started with a question uh, from a fan uh, saying, what are your thoughts on the rumors about fatal testing with the next-gen car? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with the timeline? Is it going to delay them be, to being able to roll out the next-gen car for 2022? Uh, I would hope not. I would think if there was a problem with that, uh, we would have heard about that by now because all these teams have to invest money to be able to get that next-gen car and have it ready for racing by Daytona. So uh, the timeline here, I think, is the real issue uh, on, uh, you know, if, if, there, if there, there are adjustments that have to be made, I would hope that NASCAR is going to make those adjustments uh, well in advance so that we don't get caught in a uh, bad situation with some teams having – uh, the old version versus the new version, if you will, uh, being the new version being the one that uh, Christ tests without faith fatality. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if they're having crash uh, fatalities and crash tests, that has to be addressed uh, because uh, talking about liability, there's going to be huge liability if they don't address it. So I know they've got to be looking at it and figuring out what they're going to do. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? So um, I'm thinking it's not really a good report, like, to to start off with the safety of a new car coming out. I mean, Daytona's only six, seven, eight months away, I think, so – yeah. If there is a safety problem, they really need to get to work. That's, yes, I'm not, I mean, the no comment is just sometimes, like, I mean, the no comment situation is, is I don't know how to describe it, but, like, at first they say no comment, but then later on down the line they either have, I guess, good news or bad news. But that there will be a, a report to follow in the near future. But um, I was going to say, though, I did see the part where it said they are happy with where they are at. So maybe that's a positive, I guess. But I don't know. Just not a good report to start out with. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was, I'll wait till my turn to comment there. But, Jay, you're up next. Yeah, I'm with Tommy. When you have that, that of we're not going to talk about it, uh, seems to be that they're covering it up or want to get a better report before they talk about it, which does give me some concerns, as well as, as you mentioned, sharing the timeline. You know, the, the next-gen car had already been pushed back a year due to COVID and other things. It was a whole extra year. Why is this only being an issue that they're addressing now? And we don't know. And that's where the problem comes in of if you're up front about it and everybody knows what's going on, the more that can be helped and done rather than being all of a sudden in a six-month jam and you say, okay, we have a problem, we might have to go back, uh, push back, while teams have either possibly sold out the cars they've they've had for this year, they Mm -hmm. haven't been developing ones. 
So if you're looking at that and they say, okay, we're just going to wait another year, well, now all of a sudden these teams that, like I said, aren't producing new cars are like, hey, we would have been on top of that going into next year already. So I, I don't like that aspect of it. And I mentioned the other thing, and the reason I talk about simulations, even if you're doing it with a car and a crash test dummy, uh, there again, and we've seen it so many times, we talk about where they put safer barriers, the, the safer walls, and they don't put them on a particular place because there's, like, there's no way a car can get there. What happens? A car gets there and they hit in a bad way. You can't fully mm-hmm. predict and, and that with simulation. You just can't. So that's where I'm not comfortable with them basing things off of that uh, either way. Uh, so... I'm glad that they're at least looking at it. If there is some concerns, NASCAR is always really good about if they, you know, pushing it back another year. Like I said, it's going to be bad for everybody involved, but they would do that part mm-hmm. of being putting things at risk and not being safe. I, I have 100% confident in that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do my announcement now uh, because we are coming up on that half, uh, 1030 mark. Uh, we do go off the air at exactly 10.30, and so we make an announcement to anybody who may be listening for the first time so that you know that uh, even though we are continuing to have a conversation when we go off the air, uh, that part of our conversation is being recorded and is part of our overtime bonus material on our podcast. So... Uh, what happens is I go out on Twitter to let everyone know that the podcast is is available, and at that point you can actually fast forward uh, directly to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation and that bonus overtime material. So, again, we just make the announcement here so that nobody's caught off guard or taken by surprise and wondering how do I hear the rest of this conversation uh, you can hear it on our podcast. And the podcast is actually available on um, the podcast is actually available uh, at Blog Talk Radio uh, as part of our Fan for Racing Network, but it's also available at fanforacing.com if you're wondering where the player is. Okay, so with that, uh, Quentin, uh, what is your follow up comment? Where were we at? <laughs> I, well, I got lost. Uh, when Jay, Jay just talked about uh, his thoughts about the uh, next-gen car and the reports that there have been some fatalities in tests that have test yes. that have taken place. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts about that? Proactive and reactive. I've got so much uh, brought up over the years about. Uh, Mr. Senior 2001 Daytona and they're like why did they do it now well these things were already in the works about the safer barriers and the um, redeveloped helmets and uh, you name it and I hope the next gen car is not going to be reactive or proactive. Okay, yeah. Does that make sense? I really hope, yeah, I really do hope that uh, this does not 
uh, interfere with the 2022 season. Uh, it scares me a little bit uh, because we certainly don't want that kind of liability uh, with the drivers that are involved here, and I'm sure the drivers will will push back on that uh, if there are reports of test fatality. Uh, uh, it, I guess. I guess they might be happy with where they're at. They kind of have the bigger picture that we don't have. Uh, that tells me that they're probably aware of the situation. What was that? I have no idea. Okay, that tells me that they this. probably are aware of the situation and addressing it. Uh, but, yeah, it sounds like maybe they're waiting, uh, I think, Jay said it, for a better report where they say anything publicly. Uh, we may be going off the air here. Uh, it says we've got 90 seconds, but we'll see what happens. We'll go off the air at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, but we will continue. Yes, report. and Sharon, it's awesome to talk to you again. Yes, thank you. It was good to talk to you, too. Uh, Tommy, do you want to uh, give your follow-up? Um, I was just thinking about how when, after, uh, Del Earnhardt passed away, uh, that they did all those testing with the crash dummies and everything that was just coming to mind, but I just hope that they get it figured out before Daytona 2022, cause it's coming up quick. Yes. It's quicker than you think, right? Yes. It'll be here soon. It certainly will be. Okay, it sounds like Andy's not going to make it. He's having some check-in problems. He was really hoping uh, to be here on our Hot Topic Sound Off, so it's good that we had Quentin here tonight. Uh, Jay, it's your turn to bring up the next Hot Topic. All right, well, I just put a new one up. Uh, Let's see, back up what we had Elsa, Elsa pad up here for tonight. Uh, we covered the documentary. We covered that one. Okay. Um, we'll go with the, the other one that was already up, and that was um, Haley Deegan now going to be in the uh, SRX at the fairgrounds as well. She was filling in for Paul Tracy uh, at Slinger this weekend. She did real good at the uh, Knoxville race. So now she's entered into the fairgrounds as well. Okay, so that brings us to Quentin. What are your thoughts about that? I am so depressed. I cannot, uh, I mean, you know, my eyes are so bad that I can't drive myself. If I could get to Slinger Speedway, the home of Dick Trickle, the, oh, driving me nuts. And here comes SRX. That's, I mean, that's probably the most golden race, except for the last one where Matt Kenseth and Ty Majewski um, got that final lap pass. I I really don't have nothing nice to say about me missing Slinger Speedway. Okay, but this has to do with Haley Deegan racing at Nashville Fairgrounds. I know. I would love – I'm sorry. I thought you guys were 
talking about Haley? That's uh well, as long as she doesn't um go back to the bumper, you know, run in second. She's a great racer. And uh, to get up there with the big guys, mm, I don't know. It's an all-star race, and I don't think Haley's quite an all-star yet. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts about that? Experience for her. I mean, she gets to compete with some legends. That's pretty cool. And she's going to get the race at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds, which might be an advantage for her and Chase calls. I mean, they might be racing, well, I wouldn't say an advantage, but they'll have more experience at the track than the other drivers because they might be racing there in the future and they'll get to run a race there. Just a little bit more experience. I'm sure they could run other races there that they could enter in and, like, late models and stuff, but you, you get what I'm saying. They get a little bit more track experience. But that's awesome. Uh, I mean, it's going to be an all-star at the fairgrounds for sure. Haley Deegan and Chase Elliott are going to be there, the younger generation, I guess you could say. And then all the old heads, mm-hmm. Bobby Labonte, Michael Waltrip, Tony Stewart, Bill Elliott. And I just yep. want to say, watching it the night, uh, Michael Waltrip has not changed. And Tony Stewart how still has it. And Bobby Labonte still has it, in my opinion. They're not doing bad. And, um, yeah, and How's Ernie Francis doing, Jr. Tommy? Oh, uh, she, um, she, well, she raced at Knoxville earlier this year. She's going to be a swinger this weekend, and then she'll race next week at Nashville. How, do you know how she did at Knoxville earlier? She, uh, I remember in that race, I think she finished second behind Tony Stewart. Okay, so, so um, I do think that uh, I have no problem with Haley Deegan being in the SRX races. Uh, I'm happy that she's going to have three different races uh, of six races from the SRX this year. So she will be in at least half of the races this season. And, uh, I, you know, Tommy, uh, Tony Stewart, has always been very supportive of female racers, and uh, I think this is just another example of that. She's able to get the sponsorship she needs uh, to get in these races, and kudos to her for that. Uh, and now it depends on what she does on the track. If she came in second to Tony Stewart at Knoxville, uh, that's pretty darn good. I can't wait to see what she does at Slinger in Nashville now. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? You, you hit on a couple of things. Uh, you're correct. She finished second to Tony Stewart. That was on the dirt. Uh, being on asphalt, she does need the experience, but I think it was a great move by the SRX series. And, and again, I wish Mike were, Mike were here tonight, tonight to go, go at this with me. I know he has an opinion on her, but he did pick her for the trucks because they're on dirt. Mm-hmm. When it comes to asphalt, mm-hmm. you've got to give them that chance to get that experience. And I think that this is kind of the direction Mike was hoping for with the SRX series, and I think part of their intent was to see the future stars. Now, we talked about this on Monday night. Of They have the two cars for a local, uh, local champion or local driver as well as then a ringer. 
So I think those are, I, I love the fact that they have that, and maybe we'll see that as the evolution of where they go in the future. I know I saw something on Ray Everham, uh, and I didn't post that, but talking about, you know, what they what they intended, where they're at, and that, you know, this isn't a one-shot and done, that there are plans for the future. So I think this is a good marketing thing for the series, uh, whether you think she's got talent or not, whatever. Haley Deegan is a name that's going to draw eyes to the race. So, yes, I think it is important. As she gets more asphalt time, then evaluate her as far as an asphalt driver. I know in the truck series she's had a little bit of a rough start, but we've seen the improvement in it as well. you got to give it time. Not every driver is going to come out and start winning races in race number, what did Ty Gibbs do it in number two? Okay, that's a rarity, <laughs> you know. So don't expect that from every driver. Yeah. Okay, Quentin, your follow-up? Yeah, I I have no problems at all with Haley. I just don't see her in the SRX. I don't. Um, but it's a good promotion for the series um, to people that follow her from east, west, north, west. She's uh, obviously a name. Obviously, Brian and uh, Danger Boy. Um, you know, people know who she is. So, it's good to have them there with a series like the SRX. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up? I'm glad to see her getting the the experience because um, she's going to be big for NASCAR, I think. Um, you're right about Tony Stewart. She He's been on board. She's in a Ford now. Um, who knows? I mean, now I'm thinking about the future again, and, I mean, I don't – I'm not – I know there's no speculation, but, I mean, could she move up to the Xfinity Series in his car um, in the years to come, or, or what about uh, in, the, in the cup eventually? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking about now. But excited to see her at, at Slinger and at – or. Yes, yeah, she'll be at Slinger and at National Fairgrounds. She said Slinger? Yeah, she's going to be racing at Slinger. Yeah. Um, yeah, she has three races. There's six races in the SRX this year. She's raced, she'll be racing in three of those events, uh, which includes Knoxville, Slinger, and Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway next week. They just announced this week uh, that she would be at Nashville uh, next week. So, and that will, is that the finale? I think that's the finale, isn't it? Or is there another race after that? Yeah, the fairground should be number six, I think. Finale. So that will be interesting as well. But, um uh, yeah, kudos to her. I, I I give her a lot of credit. I think if I had a chance to race among the leg- legends of this sport, uh, I would want to do that as well as a young person. And uh, I give her kudos for putting it out there and, and going after it. So um, you don't get That's any awesome. opportunities like that. And why not take advantage of it if you do get the shot? 
So, uh, Jay, you're, you get the final word here. Well, and the one thing I look at, and I don't, I don't want to pick on Mike. I know he's one that's been kind of hard on, on new drivers saying they don't have the talent. They're there because of their marketability or money or whatever. But I look at, I think Quentin mentioned it, yeah, in the Arkham Menard Series West, she did use the bumper a couple of times. Some of that is, that's, and I know, Sharon, you disagree a little bit with me here, but short track racing, <laughs> road course racing, there's going to be some bumping and banging. On that particular case, did she bump them or did she run over them? Everybody's got their own opinion. But as she moved up into the Arkham Menard Series and got her starts there, we didn't see that. We haven't seen that in the Truck Series race either, and she has shown progression. So that's what I take as a positive yeah. from that. I think she did learn from it. With those, yes, it was going for a win, and she got the win, but we've also seen Chase Elliott go through that. We've seen John Hunter Nemechek and Cole Custer go through that. We've seen Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick go through that. You know, so don't don't write them off because that's how they started, especially when they're that young. We're at a short track, dirt track, or a road course because that's a little more acceptable. I know, Sharon, you don't accept it at all, but, you know, it's, it's bound to happen. <laughs> Okay. Eighth place in ARCA okay. does not suck. Uh, the only thing I was thinking about was the uh, the fact that CBS Sportsnet does not repeat SRX races, even though it's wide open on a Saturday night on Channel Four here. Um, you know, uh, maybe MJ knows this, but uh, they gotta widen their uh, availability. Okay, uh, Tommy, I'm thinking, or maybe it was you, Jay. Didn't you say you watched a replay, or was that a DVR replay? No, well, there were a couple of them did get replayed, and I'm trying to think. Mike actually is the one that said it was on replay. It wasn't on a channel I get. I think that was on a particular satellite system that it was being replayed, and I don't know if it was another um, channel that got the rights for it. I'd have to go back and look. Somewhere it did get replayed, but I know it wasn't one that I had uh, available to watch the replay as well. Oh, Okay. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Um, CBS and uh, what well, CBS doesn't show replays of the SRX races. I mean, that's just—I don't know why they wouldn't do that. I don't. I have like a—I don't know. I, my my watching TV situation is kind of unique. So I have like this weird program, like a streaming service. And that's how I have my races. So, but I don't, I, I watch them and then I don't really watch the recording. So I don't really have a comment, I guess, on this. Okay. Um, Jay? That's a tough call to make. As a, as a fan of whatever it be, and I don't care if it's a, a race, I mean, think about this. How many baseball games get replayed, yet fans of racing want to say they got to replay this? So that's a, that's a tough call to make. I, and I, I'm not in the television production, so for to say a network should be replaying something, like I said, of 
football, I think, is the only one that I can think of that maybe you get to see replays. But there again, they have a dedicated network, uh, if nothing else. And as you mentioned, uh, um, the I lost my train of thought. Bring it back. Well, I know. I don't, okay, FX1. yeah, I was saying. Right, but they're kind of geared towards, yeah, you, were, you brought me back on track. They are kind of geared towards that. A lot of their races they do, but they are semi-dedicated to uh, racing. Uh, several other things that there are some things that they do replay, uh, but not all things. And that's one of those of, I don't know, I don't know their programming, uh, you know, specifically, so... As a fan, I'd say, yeah, I want to see it. But like I said, there's Cubs games I'd like to see replayed or whatever whatever you want to watch as a fan of. And I think in this day and age, because that's where I was going, Tommy mentioned it. He's he's doing his via streaming. You can get it off of, of that on replay at any time you want, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not a, a one that watches on streaming. People have the DVR so they can set it up to record. So that's where I think maybe they're looking at not doing it repetitively by showing the replays. Interesting. Um, yeah, I uh, I uh, know that I don't know how much racing they actually do show. If the SRX is the only racing uh, venue that they have, and they have limited experience with it. Uh, maybe they're just testing the water, as we've kind of talked about on on some previous shows, uh, to see how this works out for them. Uh, and maybe they have some demographics that say that people aren't watch, don't watch replays of uh, sporting events on CBS for whatever reason. Uh, but I know that a lot of race fans really count on that replay of the races uh, so that they can kind of catch up because maybe they've spent the day working in their yards or uh, going to family events or whatever on race day. But the, having that replay is nice to have because, you know, you can go home and still be able to see that race. So uh, I hope CBS reconsiders, if they're not playing the replays, I hope they reconsider that and they do play them. Uh, but I could have swore uh, that somebody was saying that they caught the replay of the race and that that is available. So I'll have to look at my local listings. I'm hoping to catch this one at Slinger uh, on TV this weekend. Quentin, what are your thoughts? All right, Quentin messaged me. He thinks he got kicked off, so I'm thinking oh, he's not okay. not on there anymore. Okay, let me take a look here. Yeah, it looks like he got dropped, so... Uh, we're not going to be able to hear from Clinton on that, but Tommy will go directly to you. I was just going to add to it that the NFL Network channel, they always do show replays of the games. Sometimes without commercials, it's actually kind of nice. So when you do this the game on Sunday, you can watch it air easily. And then it's actually, like I said, no commercials, kind of kind of quick, shorter game that you can watch. You know. But, um, yeah, I do feel like the Daytona 500 and the Bristol Dirt Race, I feel like I saw those flipping through the channels actually on my streaming device, and I can actually record on my streaming device too if I miss miss it. So, But I haven't done that yet. I've been fortunate enough to catch all these races live. 
Okay. Jay, any final thoughts? Well, and there again, it goes to what they're, I think maybe they're looking at of what's out there and what's available and what the future is that they don't see the need to it. And again, I don't know what CBS's lineup or programming is throughout the night. Um, you know, that's a, the, the only thing I would have to say on it is based off as a fan, and I know that they're going to operate off of me as a fan or even one particular sport, they're going to look at the program as a whole. So I'm sure they got numbers. Sure. Where, where's Owen? We need the analytics. I'm sure they're looking at their analytics of what it's best to do and put on TV late at night. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, Tommy, did you have any more topics that you wanted to bring up? Um, well, I, I just had some comments actually I wanted to add back to the SRX things, but and and what is it? Uh-oh. I was going to say I heard a click. Did we just lose Tommy too? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Not I sure. had to mute on. Uh, I've had to be oh, okay. sorry. Uh, Marco Andretti looking into the Xfinity series. Oh, Marco Andretti, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. So, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, this one had just, or I just come across it and it popped up, and I know Mike replied on it. I believe he called it uh, Open Wheel Invasion 2.0. I don't even know if I'd call it that. We, you know, we always hear about one or two. I think Lewis Hamilton from Formula was one that was talked about, and I, I saw where he re-signed, so that's not going to happen. I think Marco Andretti is one. I think with this, what he's done in the SRX series has kind of piqued his interest, as well as showing uh, his talent that he is capable of it, at least starting with the late model style or that style of car. Uh, it says that he's looking to do an Xfinity series deal, which I think is, is a great program and a place for him to start. As, if I'm not mistaken, whoa, trying to think of when it was that we really heard the second about the second possible second coming of Dodge uh, returning, that Andretti was one of them, as well as with Honda, if they were to come in when that rumor first started. Uh, and I think that goes back to when Carl Edwards retired, if he was going to come back with a new team, new manufacturer. Andretti, the Andretti name anyway, got thrown around in with that. And if that were the case, I think Marco is one that certainly for at least spot starts to see and test it out. But based on my view of him as a driver, I think he definitely has the capability. And I would love to see it. I think it's always great when you see that kind of crossover and the combination of fans that come back and forth. Okay, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I like the crossover when we view it. And uh, we've heard the Andretti family wanting to get into NASCAR before. Michael Andretti wanted to start a race team at one point. Um, Now we've got Marco Andretti wanting to make an Xfinity Series start. Uh, He's an IndyCar veteran, and uh, he's running in the SRX and uh, just wants to run just about everything right now, I guess. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he actually does come over uh, because you almost get the feel that uh, the Andrettis have used this uh, as a bargaining chip, if you will, 
when they're negotiating uh, the next season and then things fall through and, and they don't actually end up doing uh, what we were thinking. But we'll, we'll see how time plays out here. Maybe this is going to be something different and we see him actually uh, come into the Xfinity Series and race. Uh, it's a good way to learn a lot of different ways of racing uh, with different types of equipment because these NASCAR cars are certainly a lot heavier uh, than the the uh, Indy cars. And uh, it's going to be fun if, he, if Marco does come in. I think he'll draw a lot of people over. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts? So going back to earlier when we were talking about the SRX, um, I just want to add to this, and then I'll get to Marco Andretti. Greg Biffle's back this weekend at Slinger Speedway, and although we're about to talk about Marco going into the Xfinity Series, I wanted to also say Ernie Francis Jr. looks good in the SRX, too. He's young. I think that we might be seeing him in the future in the truck or Xfinity Series as well. Uh, also, for Marco Andretti, I think this is awesome. I was hoping to hear some of these younger guys like Marco Andretti and Ernie Francis Jr. would get opportunities in the Xfinity and trucks. And I'm glad to see an Andretti back, like a name in the sport calls John Andretti and, you know, uh, the one to one the Daytona 500, uh, Mario, I can't, I can't really remember, but um, it would be awesome to see an Andretti back in NASCAR. And I hope he gets in the Xfinity Series in a good car and can compete and get a full-time ride out of it. Oh, that would be cool. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, I would, I would love to see an Andretti back in it. And this is one of the things that when we talked about, and I say I know Mike was, was kind of harsh on it with the SRX, the driver lineup they had, but we're seeing that develop uh, of that. And that's, a, that's what I want to see is – you may not see the full picture or the full envision of what they're doing. Give it a chance because what we're seeing now is a result of them doing this. Whether it be, and you say young, I think Andretti, I think it said he was like mid-30, 34 maybe, of mm-hmm. still has time to cross over. We've seen some of the young drivers they mentioned, Ernie Francis as well as Haley Deegan. So I think it is a great program that's tying into uh, what can be beneficial to the drivers as well. It's not just about that series or themselves. It, there is the crossover and development, which, you know, Mike was saying, why Why then are you bringing in all these older drivers? Well, that's to start with, and that's to get some names. You know, you've got to have something behind it. You know, just like any boxing card, it's the main event. What's the draw? Okay, with that comes the benefit of the younger younger ones that get to be there with them and get their name known, get noticed by Tony Stewart, get noticed by Kyle Busch or whatever. So there, there's a huge benefit to it, even if there is only one of them racing against seven older ones. Yeah, we've certainly seen that happen before. Uh, you know, when you've got a driver like Eric Jones who beats Kyle Busch at the Snowball Derby, uh, you get people's attention. So, Racing these different series, I think, is a good thing. I like the crossover, um, and I think it does bring new people into the sport. So, uh, again, I just think it's a good thing, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that it does come true. 
I'm hoping that he is able to get an Xfinity seat and we see him behind the wheel of a car next year. Uh, I think that would be fun. So, Tommy, your final thoughts. Uh, just hope to see an Andretti back. Uh, the SRX series is awesome. Can't wait for next year. I was just also thinking, too, since the Nashville race is going to have, like, 17 cars, I think, or something, I think that we'll okay. probably see more cars next year, and we'll see maybe some guys that weren't full-time this year go full-time, like Greg Bissell, because he was good in the one race he was in, and I don't see why he wouldn't be good in the race on Saturday either. So, But um, I really like the series. Um Bobby Labonte and Tony Stewart, they still look like they have it. Looks like Ernie Francis Jr. is going to be good, and mm-hmm. hope he gets a shot. And glad to see Andretti. Want to see him back in NASCAR and Andretti. Okay, Jay. Yeah, it definitely intrigues me of, of what the what the program is going to be moving forward. And like I said, I'll have to see if I can find that on where Ray Everham talked about that. Uh, maybe for next Monday night show or d- down the road uh, as the season wraps up anyway. I'm sure we'll see and hear a lot of talk about it, what kind of coverage it did get on CBS, how that played out. Uh, so, mm-hmm. But to just to, to know that the future is bright, if you will, even from that aspect. I know it's kind of the IROC series style, uh, which didn't succeed or is no longer around. This was a little bit different twist to it, but – that they're making it work and, and they're trying something. I'm always a fan of trying something. If it doesn't work, you know, you go go about it a different way. It could be huge. You never know. I agree. I'm looking forward to it. I have not been able to see an SRX race yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing Slinger this weekend and uh, checking it out for the first time on my end. But uh have been super, super busy. But uh, let's go ahead and do the roundtable. And uh, we'll sign off. Tommy, you get to go first. Uh, Change my Twitter name to Tommy uh, underscore C24. So follow me on Twitter now with that. Um, I did think I had a tweet the other day about Alan Bestwick, actually. I want to see him back in the booth for NASCAR. Uh, uh, Retweet me, favorite. Get me some followers, I guess. That's all i got to say. And thanks for having me back on tonight. Oh, we always enjoy it, Tommy. Thanks for being here. Uh, Jay? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ 8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I did not notice that, I guess, that, it, that Tommy had finally gotten it changed over. Yeah, I'll go in there and uh, do some stuff with you for you tonight and see if we can't build up your followership. Okay. Tommy, uh, can you give me your Twitter handle again? Because uh, what I put in doesn't exist. I think I misunderstood what you said. Uh, It should be Tommy underscore C24. Let me pull up my Twitter. Um, But I think it's at since 95 fans still. I don't know how to change that for some odd reason. It won't let me. Yes, Tommy underscore C24. Yeah, because when I try underscore C24... It's saying that doesn't exist. So it still might be no. NASCAR. Yeah, it's it's still listed. The at is at since 95 fan. And I don't know how to change that either. I've never tried. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know how to do it either. But Tommy, 
Tommy underscore C24 or at Cincinnati I guess. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I am Fan Foration site on Twitter. We're Fan Foration blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com. So uh, definitely looking forward to a weekend of racing uh, across the, several different venues here. Knoxville, uh, definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to Slinger, Atlanta, and Elko. There's so much going on. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend of uh, racing for sure. So uh, thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. And also to our fan for racing crew here, Tommy, Jay, and uh, Quentin's not really part of our fan for racing crew, but he pops in now and then. So it was, it was nice to have Quentin on tonight. Uh, and Jay, or I'm sorry, uh, Andy, we did miss Andy and Mike, but uh, I'm sure they'll be back soon. So uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, guys. All right. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.